Verse 7 of chapter 3, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. God's claiming them. He said, I've seen their affliction. God sees your affliction. God sees what you're going through. I know sometimes uh, uh, if you're like me, you pray, you're going through a little something, and you wonder, you know, I'm, I'm praying, and, and I know God, but does He see this? Does He see this thing? Does He see it? And I got news for you this morning. God sees your affliction. God sees it. God sees the oppressor. Look there in verse 9. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me and I have also seen the oppression. God sees when his children are being afflicted. God sees the oppressor. This Bible says if you needed to know this and you do need to know this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible says, So I have returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold the tears of such as were oppressed. You ever been afflicted that you shed some tears? Yeah. And they had no comforter. And on the side of the oppressors there was power. That oppression that you're going through, that affliction that you're experiencing, the power is on the side of the oppressor. That's why you feel so weak. That's why you feel so helpless. That's why you think you can't make it through it because the, the strength is on the side of the oppressor. Pharaoh was the oppressor. Pharaoh is the type of the devil. The devil is the oppressor. The devil is a roaring lion. You ever seen a, a lion maul something? To death, pretty oppressive, ain't it? A lion is a wild creature. And the Bible says the devil, when he does his work, he does it like a lion, a roaring lion. He just comes, you ever seen a lion maul a hyena? They ever get a hold of a hyena? They just maul that thing. I mean, it, it's bad. It's gruesome. That's what the devil does to you and I spiritually. Mentally, the battle is in the mind. Mental, mental oppressions, mental afflictions. Wherefore I praise the dead which are already dead. You ever been afflicted so bad that you were thanking and thankful that your loved ones that were saved, they're dead and they didn't have to face it? They're not in this misery no more. Yeah, amen. Uh, don't, don't think that you're the only person that's ever thought that way. Uh, the Bible says, yeah, uh, this Solomon was hurting so bad that he was, he, was, he was happy for the dead which were already dead more than the living which are le left alive. He said, oh, yeah, that's some bad affliction, folks. That's some bad affliction. And God says, I see it. I see it. Oppression is unjust treatment. Oppression is mental pressures or distress or extreme anxiety that is accompanied with sorrow. God said, I see it, but it gets better. This is the part where your pastor got a little help. Verse 7. The last part of that verse. First part, he says, I see the affliction, but look what he does. And he says... I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. Why didn't he say he's seen the sorrow? You ever had some sorrow? You ever just get down? 
I mean, you, you, your mind begins what I call free willing. And I don't mean free willing because it's, it's out on a boat somewhere fishing or it's buying a new vehicle. I'm talking about free willing about all the problems that could possibly happen. <laughs> all the anxieties that might come to pass. And then when you watch the news, you're like, oh my soul, we're going to go, we're going to go broke. We're going to go hungry. And, and it's terrible. You let your mind start free willing on that and tell me that don't bring some sorrow. And I began to think about that because I had one of those weeks. I like borrowing worry from the future. So it gives me something more to do in the presence. I'm notorious for it. You say, yeah, but you're a preacher of faith. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, if preaching on faith is easy. It's living it that's hard. When you got to get in the wheelbarrow, when the money's coming out of your account, when the money's coming out and there's more going out than going in. Now, I, I, that, that's, I use that as an illustration. Don't panic. Like, oh, preacher, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I got more than my bank account I'm worried about. I'm worried about this church. Like, oh, yeah, we got to pay the bills and the money needs to come in. And I worry about what, where are we going to be in three years from now? I said, we're not there. I know. I like to borrow worry from the future to put it in the present. And why is I found that once we get in the future and it don't happen, that worry it works. <laughs> but it brings about a lot of sorrow. <laughs> and worrying's a sin, too. There's a verse over there in Philippians that says, be careful for nothing. You know what that word careful means? He says, be anxious for nothing. You know what anxiety is, don't you? Anxiety. I mean, you, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and your heart's pounding? And you're like, oh, I just had a, I had a flash of something that could happen in the future. Oh, my soul. I know y'all do. <laughs> yeah, amen. You wake up in a cold sweat, hot sweat. You can't get comfortable. You start tossing and turning. You've even took a sleeping pill. You're still worried. You've prayed. Uh, you've, you've given it to God. But for some unknown reason, when you lay it down at the altar, it jumps up and grabs you and it jumps on your back like a monkey and you can't get rid of it. And it brings about that sorrow. God said, I know your sorrow. He didn't say, I seen it. He says, I know it. Now that's different than seeing it. That means he feels it. Now you need to think about this because I had forgotten. And if I could forget, you could forget. If you're born again, you make up the body of Christ. He says a body. Now you know and I know. If you stub your toe, <laughs> your ear hurts, <laughs> you know, your arm hurts. <laughs> if you pull a muscle, your whole body, I, I worked out a little bit. When was that, Thursday? Four minutes, three minutes? My soul. <laughs> oh, on a total gym. Very light. You all would laugh at me. It's like, that ain't a workout. I know. But it, it hurt me. It hurt myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> hurt myself. <laughs> and your whole body hurts. That's sorrow. Anxiety. Well, God said, I know your sorrow because if we're the body of Christ, when we hurt, he hurts. <clears throat> I even actually got some scripture. Isaiah 53, verse 3, which brought tears to my eyes. He said, he is despised and rejected of man, men, a man of sorrows. Did you ever stop to think about that? Christ was given to depression, a man of sorrows. I kind of forgot about that. You know, he's God. God manifests in the flesh. What's he got to be depressed about? What's he got to be down about? How could he be down about anything? God doesn't know. God doesn't know our sorrows. I mean, sometimes how I pray, and the Bible's telling us the whole time, I do know your sorrows. I was a man given to sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it was our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. It was so bad that people... You ever try to spend time around a depressed person? That's hard. You ever try to, you, did, have you ever tried to understand the depths and the thinking of a depressed person? You need a special type of patience to deal with that. God knows it. God knows it. He said, I know it. I feel it. I've borne our grief, your grief, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. So what do we do with these sorrows? Well, the Bible says, casting all our care upon him. That's those anxieties and those sorrows, for he careth for you. You say, what do you do, preacher? Oh, let me tell you what you do. You're going to have to get out and pray. Can't hardly afford to go on a prayer drive, but I was on a prayer drive. Now begin to talk with God and to plead with God. And told him, I've got to cast this on you. You've got to take this. I'm overcome with sorrow and anxieties. And then the Lord, the Holy Spirit, give me that verse there in Philippians. He says, look, be careful for nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And God is saying, don't be anxiety filled. When that anxiety hits you and when it overcomes you, when then that sorrow kicks in, bring it to him. He knows it. He don't just see it. He knows it. He's experienced it. He knows exactly what you're going through. And sometimes the problem is we don't spend enough time in prayer putting it on him. You have not because you ask not. That's where I was. Man, that broke my heart this week. You have nothing to be overcome with sorrow about. You've got food in your belly, a roof over your head, bills paid for the month. And even if they weren't, I've been there. There's no reason to be overcome with sorrow. We live in the greatest nation of the earth. 
There's a lot to complain about, but I'm not going to maximize the negative in light of trying to maximize the positive. We're still free to have church. We have nothing to be overcome with sorrow about. But yet, here's your pastor, all full of spiritualness, overcome with sorrow. And I am not a depressed person, but I do like to worry. And worry leads to anxiety, and anxiety leads to sorrow. My problem was I thought maybe the Lord just doesn't know it. Heaven's a pretty nice place. What's there to be upset about up there? And you kind of lose touch with what God has said in the Scripture. He told Moses, you go down there and you tell those people, I see the affliction, but I know your sorrow. Mm-mm-mm. And then he says in verse 8, chapter 3, I am come down to deliver them. Man, that's nice. I'm here to save you is what he's saying. I'm here to take your parts. I'm here to honor my agreement with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Aren't you glad that God sees us? He seeks us out. He sees the affliction of the oppressor, the, the devil, and how he works us over. And then he says, I know the sorrows. But then he says, you know what? I'm coming down to deliver you. Boy, that's nice. What a message. But then he says in verse 12 of chapter 3, I will bring you out. It's not going to leave you there. I'm bringing you out. Now, that means we're saved to serve. That means we're saved to be separated from Egypt. He said, I'm not leaving you in the world. I know you're in the world right now. And I respect you as descendants of Abraham. And I'm going to respect you and have regard for you. I'm going to honor my covenant. And I'm coming down. I see the affliction. I know the sorrows. But I'm coming to deliver you. But I'm bringing you out of Egypt. That's pretty much how we're preaching it today, ain't we? We're saved to be separated from this world. Egypt's the type of the world. And God saved us to be a peculiar people. And so, one would ask, how did these people respond to that? Verse 31 in chapter 4. And the people believed. They believed. They believed this message. Moses was worried they wouldn't believe. But they believed it. But not only did they believe, they worshipped. You see that? You say, well, what'd they do, preacher? They bowed their head and they began to pray. Worship has more to do with humility and praying than it does singing. Singing is praise. And we're to praise. It's very important that we worship. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe? Do you believe that God sees your affliction? Do you believe that God knows your sorrows? Each and every one of us in here, if we just go around this room this morning, I guarantee you got a sorrow. You've got an anxiety. You've got something that you're faced up, you're up against the Red Sea, and you see Pharaoh's army coming at you, and the strength is on the side of the oppressor. And if God don't work a miracle, you're going down. God knows it. God knows it. 
And God says, I'm coming down to save you. Not only am I going to save you, I'm going to bring you out. Now, these people, they believed it and they worshiped. My question is, do you believe it? Do you worship? When is the last time you worshiped? You see, people don't worship what they don't believe. Old preacher had to get right this week. I had to get in here. God, I was in the office. I could have prayed at the desk. God said, no, you get in there on the altar. And one, you confess the sin of thinking that I didn't know your sorrow. And then you confess and you thank me that I do know your sorrow. And I do know your anxieties. And I have made a way. And even if I don't, you do go down in flames as a failure. I still know it. Ooh. Oh boy. That's the message. That's the message God give Moses. He said, you go tell those people, I don't care what they think. I'm a covenant keeping God. And I made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm going to keep it. Guess what? God made a covenant with us. God says, if any will come unto me, if you'll hear my voice and come unto me, he said, I'll give him rest. Lord said, if you believe in me, if you trust me, and I mean put all your faith and trust in me and pledge yourself to me, I'll save you. I'll bring you out. Now that's a covenant. And it's for whosoever will. Now the preachers preached it. Are you going to believe it? And will you worship God? Let's all stand this morning.